Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. Good morning again. Uh, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'll have everything you need up on the screen here for you. Um, we're studying these I am statements, and our next I am statement uh, actually uh, comes in John 10. We got two I am statements. The setting is the same for both of these, it has to do with the care of sheep. Next week, we'll hear Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. This week, we hear Jesus say, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And I think it's okay for us to be honest. Um, that's a weird thing to say about yourself, is it not? <laughs> I mean, to call yourself a door. Uh, there's some cultural distance here. And I promise if you'll just hang with me, um, we'll get there because it is actually remarkably beautiful that Jesus calls himself our door, the door of his people. This is what I mean. Um, I spent most of last week with my brother Ben and with my son Fox in the Amazon jungle on an epic, epic adventure. From what I understand, this is like the second most biodiverse part of the world. Um, that has a very practical lesson for people like you and me who perhaps didn't grow up in the jungle. Danger. Danger. In the jungle, there is danger everywhere. And so we learned a very important lesson from day one on our adventures in the jungle. It is dangerous to walk through the jungle without Hector, which is the name of our very uh, capable and courageous guide. It is dangerous to walk through the jungle without Hector. Here's what I mean. The jungle comes alive, especially at night, with danger. But Hector walked us safely through our adventures and especially our night hike, explaining to us the whole time what we had around us that could, you know, kill us. <laughs> he said, hey, you should put on some uh, bug spray because these mosquitoes, well, they have this disease and they have this disease and this one, and you really don't want that disease. He said, oh, Fox, look, you see that frog? You can grab that frog. Yeah, you can hold it. But you see that frog over there? Don't grab it. It will cause paralysis. Or don't step on that centipede. It causes necrosis. Or when you're stepping over a log, make sure that you tap it first with your machete or your stick just to make sure there's nothing lurking behind it that's going to that's gonna get you. And you see the snake goes and he grabs the snake. This snake is one of the most venomous snakes in all of Colombia. 95% of the venomous snake bites in Colombian hospitals come from this snake. In fact, anything that it bites, you have to amputate if you want to live. 
as he held the snake and held it close to us. His last lesson was my favorite. I'm a snake guy. I love snakes. If you ever find yourself close to an anaconda, do this. Grab it by the tail, and then inevitably it's going to whip its big head around to bite you. And what you do is you stick your foot out and you offer it your boot. Because it will bite onto your rubber boot, but it can't penetrate your boot. When it's latched onto your foot, drop the tail, grab the head, and then you've got the anaconda. <laughs> um, I asked Hector, I said, Hector, did you, did you ever serve in the military? Because he's kind of like an awesome dude, right? Um, He's like, no, I couldn't serve in the military. I had, I had a health thing, but I volunteer for my country. I serve in the military, and what I teach is I teach all these young cadets that are moving to uh, the, the jungle, uh, Jungle Survival 101. This morning, Jesus teaches us Sheep Survival 101. It is dangerous to walk through the jungle without Hector, but it is much more dangerous to try and walk through life without Jesus. Why? Two reasons. The plight of sheep and the beautiful protection of Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to stand and to listen. I'm going to read for us John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by their name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is God's word. Please be seated. Lord Jesus, we hear of this life and this abundance of life, and, and we want it. We want a taste of it this morning. So would you, even though these words are thousands of years old, by your Holy Spirit, Make them alive in our hearts in these next few minutes we have together. This we pray in your name. Amen. It is dangerous to walk through the jungle without Hector, but it is even more dangerous to walk through life without Jesus. You've probably picked up on this by now, but Jesus is calling us, yes, people like us, sheep. He's calling a sheep. Actually, that's pretty common in the Bible. He's not the first person to do that. You see it all over the Old Testament. And I want to clear up something before we get too far into this uh, discussion about the plight of sheep. 
The Bible is an incredibly honest book. And the reason it's an honest book is because it is inspired by an infinite, personal, loving, and therefore truth-telling God. And so when God calls people like us sheep, He's not insulting us. Rather, He's being realistic about the human condition. He's being realistic about what life is like as a human being after Genesis 3, after mankind's rebellion and fall into sin. So he calls us sheep, and we can be okay with that. King David, I mean, think about King David. Massively impressive, successful, handsome guy, known and beloved around the region in his days. He was courageous enough to say, yeah, I'm a sheep. In fact, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. I'm a sheep. So what I'm about to say is hard, but it's honest. We are sheep. At its core, it means this, that we are not able to take care of ourselves. Think about sheep. You look up sheep, you, f- you see a sheep that's flipped over on its back. That sheep will die unless someone intervenes and flips it right side up. In fact, that sheep may even die within the hour. Sheep are feeble creatures. A life of independence doesn't end well for a sheep. Case in point, I want to introduce you to Chris. There's Chris. Chris is a Guinness World Record holder for being the shaggiest sheep ever. Yes, apparently people have measured that sort of thing. How did, how did Chris uh, become like this? I'll tell you. Um, it wasn't because he just disliked uh, haircuts, okay? Like some of us. It is because he wandered away one day from the flock, from the shepherd who tended to him, and made sure that his wool didn't grow. And so when he finally wandered out of the woods, we think probably years later, he had 41 kilos of extra wool on him. That's 30 sweaters, in case you're curious, 30 extra sweaters that he was wearing. And the experts said he was days, perhaps weeks, from dying under the weight of his own wool. That's because sheep are destined for death unless they are in the care of someone who tends to them. And so is humanity. That's the hard truth about humanity. Like sheep, we are on a pathway of self-destruction unless someone lovingly intervenes. If you don't believe me, just look back at your own life. Look back at your story. What are the things that you most regret about your past? I'm willing to bet that most of those things were also the things that you were freest to decide and choose for yourself. Those were those moments when mom and dad were actually right, but you thought that you knew better. That's because sheep only live for the moment. Sheep have a very short-term way of living. They can't think for the long term. They wander and they say, ooh, that grass is green. But that grass, well, that's greener. Oh, and that grass is even greener. 
and greener and on and on they go. And sheep will even lead themselves to eat something, a plant that is toxic just because it looks good and they'll kill themselves from eating a toxic plant. And in our lives, before we know it, we look around and we think, oh my gosh, I'm all alone. And I've pushed away all the people who have loved me most. And here I am with this unbearable, weighty, perhaps deadly burden that I can't get off of myself in a stomach ache. I've wandered away from the flock. I've wandered away from my shepherd. Sheep are easily frightened. Sheep are really lousy at defending themselves. I suspect you've never heard of a vicious predator being hooved to death by a sheep, right? No, something comes after a sheep and its only defense mechanism is what? To run, which is a problem because sheep are inherently directionless. So they will run from one danger to something else, perhaps even more dangerous and more deadly, just like us when we're scared, when we feel insecure. What do we do with that? Often we run away, we hide, and we'll run away to something that is even more deadly and destructive. A sheep, in other words, is a danger unto itself. And when left alone, the same is true about us. Prophet Isaiah said it right. He said, all we like sheep, all of us, all we like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And if that weren't enough, I haven't even mentioned the wolves, the predators, the bad actors who were out to harm the sheep, to steal the sheep, to take them away from the flock, to take them away from the shepherd and all the safety they would have with the shepherd. Jesus is actually alluding to those predators here in verse 1 and in verse 10. People who try and enter the sheep pen not through the door, but by jumping the fence or going through the fence. They've got bad intentions for the sheep. They're thieves and robbers, Jesus calls them. And they're there to steal and kill and destroy the sheep. Who is Jesus talking about, by the way? Um, it's really interesting. If you want to know who Jesus is talking about, all you have to do is flip back one page to John chapter 9, to that story of when Jesus heals the man who was born blind. Do you remember this story? I preached on it, I don't know, eight years ago, something like that. Um, This man is born blind. He's never seen a thing in his whole life. Everybody thinks he's kind of dirty because he was born blind, like something must be wrong with him or wrong with his parents. Jesus sees the man, loves the man, heals the man, he opens his eyes, and he sees for the very first time. It's unbelievable. He's pretty excited about this, so he tells people, hey, I can see you now. How did that happen, Jesus? In fact, there's something special about Jesus. In fact, there may even be something divine about this Jesus. The Pharisees hear that, and they're like, oh, no. This guy, this Jesus, is not going to go poisoning people's minds by claiming to be divine, not on our watch. And so what did they do? They don't go investigate the matter to see if this man's claims were true. Instead, they flex their institutional muscle, their religious power they use and abuse and they manipulate and they threaten this man and his parents 
And they say, if you tell anybody about Jesus, guess what? You're kicked out of the synagogue. Those people are who Jesus is referring to. Those are the wolves. Those are the thieves, the robbers, the predators. This is wicked, institutional, toxic, abusive, narcissistic behavior. It's all over our world. And sadly, oh so sadly, it's even in our churches. And some of you know this because we've talked about it. How you were abused, how you were used, how you were manipulated by people in spiritual authority over you. And I am so, so sorry that that happened to you in God's church. That is wicked and detestable. And may God have mercy on people like that. And may God spare His church from people who would take advantage of the sheep. May God spare His church from people who would, instead of serving God's people, use God's people to serve them, to build their own empires and kingdoms. May God have mercy. Those are the predators that Jesus is referring to specifically here because the Pharisees were doing just that. That's the plight of a sheep. And I know it sounds bad and it sounds heavy and it probably touches something personal in you and in your story. But you need to know that Jesus is not saying this to scare you or to make fun of you. He's saying this to warn you because He loves you. He loves you. It's dangerous to walk through the jungle without Hector, but it is even more dangerous to walk through life without Jesus. And so whatever it is, or whoever it is that you're following through life, if its name is not Jesus, then Jesus is saying you are in great danger. Be careful. Stop. That thing or that person cannot love you the way Jesus loves you. All of it leads to death. That's the plight of a sheep. That's the plight of you and me when we walk through life without Jesus. Thankfully, that doesn't have to be our plight. Because Jesus actually spends most of our passage talking about the protection of having Him as our shepherd, which we'll talk more about next week, but having Him as our door, the door of the sheep pen. First of all, having Jesus as the door means safekeeping. It means that we are kept safe actually from those bad actors, those predators, those wolves, those thieves, those robbers who would do us harm. Look at verses 7 and 8. Again, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now, the way sheep pens worked in first century Middle East, really the way they work still today, is a little easier to understand after you've lived in Colombia, after you've lived in Bogota, and the reason for that is because, you know, we have a history of security issues here. So it's not unusual for you to go to your work or for your kids or you to go to school or even for you to come to church. And when you get to a place, who do you have to pass through first? Your portero, right? That's the idea. You have to pass through a portero. We have porteros at this church because if there were people out there who wanted to do harm to people in here, well, we want them 
to stay out there and to know that they're not welcome. We want to keep our people safe in here. That's the way it worked in there. In the Middle East, a sheep pen would have had like four walls. And instead of having a door or a gate, it would have had an empty space. And a shepherd would have personally filled that empty space. This is why Jesus calls himself the door. He is literally filling that empty space. He is literally the door, the one protecting the sheep. He's the one guarding the sheep, guarding us from all that would harm us. But here's the thing I love most about this passage and this idea of Jesus as our door. He protects us. You know, from those big scary things out there. But he's also the entryway, the port, the unique entrance unto life. Life. He says it again in verse 9 and 10. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Life, abundantly, abundant life. I mean, this this echoes of, of Psalm 23, green pastures and still waters. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Wow, I want that kind of life. Let me tell you what the key to that kind of life is. Dignity. It's dignity. Verse 8, again, all who came before me, thieves, robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Why? Why didn't the sheep listen to the thieves and the robbers? You, know what, you want to know why? It's because the thieves and the robbers treated the sheep like possessions, like stuff to be stolen, to be had, to be, stole, uh, to be sold. Or they treated them like food to be consumed. They treated them like stuff. They didn't treat them with dignity. We were made for dignity. Here's a picture of a woman named Shay and her son. This is what she writes. This is my son. At about a year old, I overdosed with him in my bed. Well, it was just a mattress on my living room floor. At two, he had to come and visit me in jail. He beat against the glass, screaming and crying for his mommy. At three, he witnessed me get hit in the head with a brick. He rode with me to the ambulance. It scared him really bad. At age four, he was in a car wreck with me. It was one of my many DUIs. That's the ticket you get when you drink while intoxicated. At age five, my mother had to raise him most of the time. I barely even came home. At age six, I lost full custody and I went to prison. Here he is today at age 12. He lives with me. He attends a private Christian school. He's on the honor roll. He gets prayed with every single night and his mommy is there to wake him up for school. Every single morning, I celebrate all of his accomplishments with him, and he celebrates every sober birthday with me. I tell him how much I love him every single day. 
what went wrong with Shay? She tried to walk through life without Jesus. And guess what? She realized that it's really hard. It's really, really difficult, and she didn't like the way it felt. And so she learned how to numb herself through the human experience. She fell prey to the thief and the robber who comes to do what? To kill and steal and destroy. About that, she wrote these words. It's dehumanizing. It's dehumanizing. It's out of this world. I didn't feel like I was even a person. And the only thing that makes you able to even live with yourself is the same exact thing that's killing you. She didn't even feel like she was a person. No dignity. What happened? She met Jesus. She met Jesus in prison. And he dignified her. He told her that she mattered. He looked at all of her past and all of her mess and her issues and her addiction things and her failures. He said, you know what? Come to me. Come, come anyway to me. I love you anyway. I love you no matter what. And he restored her. He gave her life, abundant life, and he called her by her name, dignity. That's what Jesus does. He dignifies. He calls us by our name. He humanizes us. Verses 3 through 5. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Stranger, they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I love this because it's dripping with dignity. It's beautiful. It's personal. Shepherds in the Western world, they steer their sheep with what? With dogs, right? Well, that's effective. You know why that's effective? Because the sheep is thinking, if I don't follow that dog over there, you see those big teeth? That dog is going to bite me. It's going to hurt me. And you know what? A lot of major religions in our world today say the same thing about God. God could have done it that way. And a lot of these religions say that about God. The Pharisees were saying this about God. If you don't do the right thing, and, and, is, and if you always never do the wrong thing, well, if you mess up, God is going to get you. You see those big teeth, those big powerful teeth? He's coming after you. He's going to get you. God could have done it that way, but he didn't, did he? That's not Christianity. That's not the heart of Christianity. Instead, God does what? He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls his own sheep by name because he knows them each individually. He doesn't say, hey, sheep. Yeah, sheep, generally. Come, come follow me. No. He says, hey, Arturo. He says, hey, Mauricio. He says, hey, Alex. Come, follow me this way. This is the way to life. I want you to have life. I'm calling you. What about you? Is he calling you? Is he calling you by 
your name? Is he calling you away from these things that will destroy you, these things that cannot love you the way he loves you? What would that feel like? It feels different for different people. Um, Sometimes it's God allowing us to experience the consequences, the emptiness, or to taste perhaps the despair and the destruction of trying to live our lives without Jesus. We're trying to numb our way through the human experience. Other times, it's more like this aha moment. This is the way it was for me when I was a 16-year-old. It was suddenly listening to a passage like this or somebody talk about it and thinking, oh my gosh, I've been wrong about Christianity my whole life. I thought, I thought that, that, that God was like my angry father who I had to appease so that he wouldn't get me. He's not like that. He loves me and he knows me. And he wants me to experience all the dignity that I was created for. And so he gives that to me by giving me his own son. Is he calling you? If he's calling you, then listen and follow Jesus. Because it's dangerous to walk through the jungle without Hector, but it is way more dangerous to walk through life without Jesus. One of my friends named John Penny Legion, wrote a book about this and the I Am Statements. In it, he wrote the story of Sir George Adam Smith. Sir George was a Scotsman a few hundred years ago. He took a trip to the Middle East to do some research or something, and he had a guide, and he came upon a shepherd with his sheep, and he wanted to know what that experience was like. And so they started to chat with the shepherd, and the shepherd began to show him his sheep and how he does his thing. And he said, come come back with me. I want to show you my sheep pen. And so he took them to the sheep pen. Sure enough, it had four walls on it, and on one side was an opening. And the shepherd told Sir George that at night all of his sheep went in and that they were perfectly safe because he was the door. This is what my friend Penny writes. That was the phrase the shepherd used. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't trying to invoke biblical imagery or language. But he said, I am the door. When the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space. And no sheep ever goes out but across my body. And no wolf ever comes in unless he crosses my body because I am am the door. Jesus is the door. And it is this beautiful, beautiful picture of what he has done for us on the cross. Because we pass from death to life. How? By going through him. This is the beauty of the gospel, the central message of the Bible, that he looks at people like us, messy people with all of our issues and all of our stuff. And he says, you, yeah, you come, come on. Come to me. I want to lead you to life and bring all of that mess with you, all of it. And you know what? As you come to me and through me, the door, you can leave all that stuff with me and I'll take care of it. Which he did on the cross as he experienced the wrath of his father. He took care of all of it. And as we come through Jesus in repentance and faith, will we go through him to life?
life, abundant life with the rest of the sheep and with our Savior who loves us and gave his life for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this message. We thank you for your goodness and beauty, the way you dignify people like us, the way you say hard things to us sometimes because you love us and you don't want to see us destroy ourselves or lead paths toward destruction. Thank you, Jesus, not just for saying these things, but for coming and experiencing destruction on our behalf that we may experience life through you. Would you help us to be a people full of dignity, full of light, life, vehicles of that life to other people that the world would know you. This we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogota.org.